In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The Old Testament reading for the day of Pentecost is from Numbers chapter 11. Moses went out and told the people what the Lord had said, and he gathered 70 of the elders of the people and had them stand around the tent. Then the Lord came down in a cloud and talked to them. And he took of the spirit who was on him and put him on the 70 elders. And as soon as the spirit rested on them, they spoke God's word, but they didn't do it again. Two men had been left in the camp. The name of the one was Eldad and the name of the other Medad. They were among those listed, but hadn't come out of the tent, uh, out to the tent. The spirit rested on them too, and they spoke God's word in the camp. Then a young man ran to Moses. Heldad and Medad are prophesying in the camp. So Joshua, Nun's son, who from his youth was Moses' assistant, spoke up. My Lord, Moses, he said, stop them. Are you zealous for me? Moses asked him. I wish all God's people were prophets and that the Lord would put his spirit on them. Then Moses and the elders went back to the camp. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Our second reading comes from Acts chapter 2. The day of Pentecost came, and they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like a violent blast of wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw tongues like flames that separated and one rested on each of them. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and started to speak in other languages as the Spirit gave them the ability to speak. Jews who feared God had come from every nation under heaven to live in Jerusalem. When the sound came, the crowd gathered and was dumbfounded because each one heard the disciples speak in his own language. Amazed and wondering, they asked, Don't all those who are speaking come from Galilee? And how does every one of us hear his own language he was born in? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, and people living in Mesopotamia, Judea, and Cappadocia, Pontus in the province of Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the country near Cyrene, in Libya, and visitors from Rome, Jews, and those who have accepted the Jewish religion, people from Crete and Arabia. In our own languages, we hear them tell about God's wonderful things. They were all amazed and puzzled. What can this mean? They asked one another. Others sneered. They're full of new wine. Then Peter got up with the eleven, raised his voice, and addressed them. Jews, and all you who live in Jerusalem, understand this and listen to what I say. These men are not drunk as you suppose. Why, it's only nine in the morning. No, this is what the prophet Joel spoke about. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. 
Then your sons and your daughters will speak God's word. Your young men will have visions and your old men will have dreams. In those days, I will pour out my spirit on my servants, both men and women, and they will speak God's word. I will give you startling wonders in the sky above and marvelous signs on the earth below. Blood and fire and a cloud of smoke. The sun will turn dark and the moon to blood before the coming of the Lord's great and splendid day. Then everyone who calls on the Lord's name will be saved. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The Holy Gospel according to St. John, the seventh chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. On the last day, the great day of the festival, as Jesus was standing there, he called out loudly, If you're thirsty, come to me and drink. If you believe in me, streams of living water will flow from you, as the Bible has said. By this he meant the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive. The Spirit hadn't yet come, because Jesus hadn't yet been glorified. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Grace and peace from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Our text is from the Gospel according to St. John. Being a participant in the birth of a new life is amazing. I was privileged to be at the birth of all my children and even catch my first daughter as she was born. Truly, the whole process which God created is wondrous. And to think that God made us participants with him in this process of procreation. This is a great honor and blessing. We get to participate in creating a new life, bringing it forth and rearing the child. And yet how much better it would have been without sin. And that is where the trouble truly is. For while we bring forth new life, we know that we bring those lives into a world with many dangers and challenges. Hardships abound. Trouble is always near. And of course, death is waiting. In many ways, we bring forth new lives who are destined to die. Despite all our advances and great efforts to extend life, Death is always lurking nearby. The grave is the common destination of mankind. Thus death consumes the hope that such new life brings. We know that the child, just like us, is going to die. So Jesus' words about living water flowing out of us certainly catches our ears. Because of sin, death has been flowing out of us. It even flows into our children's lives. But here, Jesus speaks of living water flowing out of us. What is he talking about? Well, the evangelist, St. John, helps us out. 
He says that Jesus is talking about the Spirit. He's speaking about the Holy Spirit, whom Jesus would pour out upon his people at Pentecost and onward. This little revelation from the evangelist can help us unpack what Jesus is saying. During the Feast of Booths, Jesus again went up to Jerusalem. This feast celebrated the final harvest and was an act of remembering the days that they were following the Lord in the desert and living in booths or tabernacles. Such tents had been how the people lived with God as he led them in their freedom from Pharaoh. Thus, the celebration consisted of joy and many sacrifices. Also, at least since the time the Israelites had returned from being exiled in Babylon, they had adopted a practice of taking water in a golden pitcher from the pool of Siloam and bringing it to the altar where it was poured into a bowl on the west side. This was done while another priest poured wine on the east side. Both bowls had holes to have the contents flow out at the same pace. This involved a great procession of people following this action and seeing not only the water being poured out, but branches gathered for a canopy and sacrifices of bulls, rams, lambs, and goats being offered. Thus, pouring out of the water, this pouring out of the water that flowed from the altar recalled the image of Ezekiel chapter 47 where water was issuing from below the threshold and flowing out of the temple. This stream of water grew in size and it brought life to the land and in the river. Thus from the temple and its sacrifices, which pointed to Christ and his sacrifice, flowed life and healing. This was connected to this feast because the end of Ezekiel pictured what the feast celebrated, God dwelling with mankind. Now it was during this feast that Jesus cries out that the thirsty should come to him for a drink. Now previously, Jesus had taught that he had living water that would give life. He told a woman by the well, whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. John 4, 14. So once again, Jesus is calling people to come to him to have their spiritual thirst satisfied. He has the words of life. He has the teaching that brings forth faith. But Jesus further expounds here. He told the woman at the well, the water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. John 4, 14. Now in John 7, Jesus talks about living water flowing out of those who believe in him. He's teaching about how he involves us in the process of bringing forth new life. 
As Jesus also taught, people need to be born again or born from above. This new life is of water and the Spirit. John 3, verses 3 and 5. And Jesus' words are spirit and life. John 6, 63. Thus, through Jesus' word, the Holy Spirit works to create faith in people, to bring forth life to people and to move them into the kingdom of God. In John 7, Jesus proclaims that those who believe in him are involved in this process of bringing forth new life. Out of them, he says, rivers of living water flow. Streams of life come forth. This is made clear when Jesus says, from where the living waters will flow. Now, given the English Standard Version and what it has here, we might be tempted to speak of the heart as Christ's dwelling place. And so the water's flowing from there. But that isn't the picture here. The word here isn't cardia, which would be Greek for heart. No, it's koilia, a different Greek word, which can either be translated as belly or stomach or womb. Now, because the belly is where Hebrews considered feelings and desires to be found, it can be translated as heart because that's where we think of emotions as residing. I mean, consider how we talk. Uh, well, consider also how we talk about butterflies in your stomach or anxiety and cravings being centered in our abdomen. It's not really a foreign thought to us, completely anyway, although we generally talk about the heart. But since Jesus is talking about life coming from this place, we can hardly think of this as a reference to emotions. Now, we could talk about the stomach, which is normally a consumer being changed into a provider of life. But it's not really the best picture. The, the other picture, though, is associated with the womb. Now, in this way, Jesus is connecting back to the new birth he has come to bring. This isn't the re-entering into the womb, a re-entering into the koilia. No, he's speaking to the birth from above. He's speaking about the Spirit bringing renewal and new life to people. A different koilia, a spiritual one. And here he is saying that we are included in the bringing forth of new life. He involves us. His people who believe in the bringing forth of new children of God. We get to be the agents through whom Christ and the Holy Spirit work to deliver endless and ever-flowing life to others. As our Lord brought us into the very act of creation and procreation, so he also brings us into the act of re-creation. He has blessed you to be the givers of new life to your children, to your family and neighbors, to your friends, and even to your fellow Christians. What great joy! What a great honor and privilege to bring life in the midst of this world of death 
and trouble. How sad, though, that we downplay such. We either don't think of it as much as we should, or we discount our role in such. Maybe we think it's just the pastor's job. But that's not what Jesus says. He says, whoever believes in me. This action flows out of faith. It flows from believing. It isn't a matter of vocation. Our vocation only determines how we go about speaking the word of life to others. All of us are called to spread and speak the word. That life would flow out of us unto those around us. And yet this isn't happening. We aren't speaking and teaching as we should be. Are we saying we don't believe? Are we denying the waters flowing out of us? May the Lord forbid such. And yet we aren't confessing Christ to those around us. We aren't speaking the good news to our friends and neighbors as we should. We aren't impressing the truth upon our children. We're letting the world teach them. We're letting their school peers tell them what is important. And our neighbors are being filled with all kinds of ideas contrary to God's word from the ads, news reports, radio and TV programs, and even from our own hearts and minds. These worldly lessons that are being taught and being consumed by all those around us don't bring life. They bring forth the fruit of destruction and death. What we don't want to see is what we see happening in our lives and in society. But that is what sin brings. This is what sin has birthed. We are brought forth into this world to face death. But Christ Jesus is gracious. He saw that sin drained the life out of us. He saw that we were dry and thirsty. And so he gave himself. He came to provide the living water we need. He came to establish his goodness, love, care, and graciousness. He came in the flesh for you and me. He brought his eternal life into our mortal frame. He brought the never-ending stream of life, His very life, to us. God gave His life on the cross for you and me. He died. And out of His pierced side, out of His koilia, flowed blood and water. Out of Jesus flowed life, His life-giving water. This life-giving water flowed Onto you in baptism. It was poured upon your head, and through it he gave you life. You were raised from the dead. In this world of death, he bestowed upon you new life. So are you no longer living to die? No, that's right. You're no longer living to die. You're no longer destined for eternal death. 
nor is death your destination. Your destination is the new heaven and earth with Christ. Your home is with Him and not in the grave. Yes, God's saints do pass through such. But it is not our resting place. No, even now, life is flowing to us from Christ, filling us up. And that life is flowing out to those around us. You have been redeemed for a purpose. You have been rescued. And those of us who remain here are here to serve our neighbor with the gospel, to be God's workers toward the new birth and spiritual harvest of people. After all, we are now springs flowing with life, springs connected to the source, to life itself. We're connected to our Lord Jesus and his never-ending provision of life. His water continues to flow into us, in church, in devotions, in Bible study, through his promises at the font and at the table. Jesus pours out his Spirit upon us, and as the Holy Spirit comes to dwell with us, we also share his word and life with those around us, that their thirst might also be quenched, and thus believing they might have the peace of God dwelling with them, as he most certainly dwells with you, his dearly beloved people. And now the peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord look upon you with favor and give you peace. Amen. All readings prior to the sermon come from an American translation of the Bible.